So we are still in our series of living the life. How do we live the Christian life? And we've talked about some aspects of Bible study before. Now we're going to dig a little bit deeper into how do we actually study the Bible. So there are six questions that we're going to be talking about today. Understand the context. What is the main idea of the passage? Are there repeated words or phrases? Are there any contrasting words, phrases, or ideas? Any scripture quoted or alluded to? And does the passage remind you of other verses? So hold all of these six questions in your mind while you listen to the text. Right. John, the fifth chapter. Jesus is speaking. I can do nothing on my own, he says. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they who bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another, and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father, there is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? The word of the Lord. Now, there is a difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible. 
many of us read and don't study. But there are many who study but don't read. There are people that study the Bible because they find it interesting. But they don't actually sit down and read it and let the words become applicable to their lives. They just study because it's cool to study. And I know a few pastors who study but don't read. Now they study for their sermons every Sunday, but they spend no time actually reading the word. Then I know a few pastors who read but don't study. Those are the pastors who wait until 8 o'clock Sunday morning to let the Holy Spirit inspire them about what they're going to preach about. But they've spent their time reading, so they really don't need to study. <laughs> Boo on both accounts. There is a difference. It is important for the Christian to do both. We should read so we get the big picture. We get the broad overview. We're doing the intake of God's word into our lives. And it's okay to just read. Read for a few minutes. Read the words. Read out loud. Enjoy it. There's some great stuff in the Bible. I mean, as a kid, when I grew up, knowing that sermons were really boring because preachers prattled on and on and on and on. You couldn't get them to shut up. I sat and read the Old Testament. Great stories. David and Goliath. Gehazi. Naaman's leprosy goes to Gehazi. There are great stories in the Old Testament. And they'll hold your attention. There are great stories in the New Testament that will hold your attention. And it's okay as Christians to read and then skip over the stuff that you just aren't ready to spend too much time on. I like the people that get to about Genesis 12 every year in their readings and stop. <sighs> They've read enough of the begats to know that they are just disgustingly boring. Or they get all the way to Leviticus and say, I just can't take this reading anymore. Skip over the stuff. Come back to it later. Read. Let God's word speak to your life. Then there's study. Study helps us to focus on topics and ideas that attract our attention. Now, you don't have to spend every minute of your day in study. But it does help if you will study sometimes during the week. Don't wait for Sunday morning and expect that the pastor is going to help you study. If some idea attracts your attention while you are reading, circle it. It's okay. You can write stuff in your Bible. You can come back to it later. You can say, oh, you know what? I think I want to explore this a little bit more. It's the exploration of an idea or a word, a concept, that is studying God's word. 
And the purpose of study is to help us understand more about God and more about his word as we apply it to our lives. Now you notice that in this passage that we read, Jesus says, you search the scriptures because you think that in that you find eternal life. And that's what the religious leaders did. They were looking in the scriptures to find the way to eternal life. But they looked so hard in the scriptures that they overlooked everything the scriptures were telling them about eternal life. That life is only found in living faithfully before God who is our Redeemer. If you want to have life, Moses says, love God and love your neighbor. If you love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, you are on the road to eternal life. And that will find expression in loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, these guys were experts in the first five books of Moses. Many of them were experts in the Psalms. If you were a Sadducee, you only focused on the first five books of the Bible. If you were a Pharisee, everything you read was fair game. And they read and they studied and they studied and they read, but they didn't focus on what the scriptures were actually teaching. They liked the stuff that told them they were doing okay. And that God loved them. Life was going to be fine. God loves you. Don't worry about it. God has a great plan for your life. You can see it in the smiling preacher on Sunday morning. God loves you so much he doesn't worry about sin. Don't let that sin stuff bother you. That's just stuff you're not doing very well. Oh. And he misses the point of God's word. There are many others that do the same thing, not just the smiling guy on Sunday mornings. They look at God's word and they selectively apply it. So how do we study God's word so that we don't selectively apply it? First, understand the context. To whom is Jesus speaking here? What's the context tell us? He's talking to the religious leaders. There's been a problem. Jesus has broken the Sabbath law, according to them. He's healed. He's told the guy, take your bed and walk home. Now, the Jews, as John puts it, are seeking to kill him. Now, when you get in the book of John, remember that 90% of the time when John refers to Jews, he's talking about the religious leaders, not the whole nation. That's his code word for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and Sadducees, as John would put it, to the Jews. So Jesus is speaking. He's speaking to the religious leaders. This is not really a discussion. This is more of a sermon. But it is a discussion because Jesus is trying to prompt their thinking. It's not classically a sermon. 
but it's not classically a discussion. It kind of falls into both camps. It's not a story. It's not poetry. It's not prophecy. So it's good to understand the context of the passage. What's the main idea of the passage? What have we learned from it? Because after all, you studied this passage over and over and over. Talking about Jesus. The scriptures are pointing to Jesus. And Jesus does some interesting things in this passage as you read it. First, John is bearing witness to Jesus. Second, God is bearing witness to Jesus. Third, the scriptures are bearing witness to Jesus you will find all those ideas posted in there. And Jesus is making the claim that he is the way to eternal life. That's his claim. And so he teaches, preaches, discusses with the religious leaders stuff that they should know very well. And when he refers to Moses, he's talking about the whole of the Pentateuch. But the first time that the scriptures refer to a Messiah coming, we find in Genesis, the third chapter. But there are other places as well in the book of Genesis and in the rest of the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, where Jesus is referred to not by name, but by title, the Messiah. Are there repeated words and phrases? And there are a bunch of them. If you circle the repeated words and phrases in your Bible, those will start to come to life. Look at how many times Jesus says, believe. Jesus wants them to believe in him. He talks about his testimony. He talks about witness. And by the way, the word testimony and the word witness are the same word. So if you look at the repeated words and phrases, it will help you gain an understanding as you study the text. Are there any contrasting words, phrases, and ideas? And sometimes there are in the scriptures. You search the scriptures because in them you think you're going to find eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Jesus sets up the contrast. You guys are searching, but not finding me. And everything is pointing to me. <clears throat> The scriptures, because for them it's the Old Testament scriptures, are pointing to Jesus, the Messiah. John pointed to Jesus, the Messiah. The scriptures point to Jesus, the Messiah. The Father bears witness. The works that Jesus does bear witness. All of these things are pointing to Jesus, the Messiah. And yet these guys refuse to acknowledge 
who Jesus is. They refuse to acknowledge his authority. Are there any scriptures quoted in this passage? No, not directly. Are there any scriptures alluded to? Yes. There are a number of them. In the law, the law of Moses, they would say, it's told that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is found to be true. And Jesus says, I'm not bearing witness about myself. John bore witness about me. They used to like John. John was okay with them because John was a good show. And John said bad things about the political leaders. And while the Sadducees liked the political leaders, the Pharisees tolerated the political leaders at best, but everybody hated what was going on in the immorality in the political leaders. So they liked John until John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They didn't like him anymore. So they would listen to John until John said something they didn't like. Then Jesus says, the works that I do bear witness that I am true. The Father bears witness to me. Of course, you folks don't get it because you don't have the Father in you. You've never heard his voice. You don't know anything about him because you're searching the scriptures and missing out on everything entirely. Jesus sets up the contrast. You folks who claim to be followers of Moses are missing entirely what Moses suggests you should be doing, which is believing in me. Number six, does this passage remind you of other verses? It should. Think about the discussion with Nicodemus. For God loved the world so much that he sent his only son into the world that whoever believes in him, believe, will not perish, will have eternal life. Remember that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. There are other passages that this scripture will probably, probably remind you of. You remember the church of Berea? They were more noble. Why? Because they searched the scriptures to see if Paul was telling the truth. That's what the Pharisees should have been doing in relationship to Jesus. Search the scriptures to see if Jesus is telling the truth about himself, about his works. Because the Psalms speak about Jesus over and over. Isaiah speaks about Jesus over and over. Jeremiah, Micah, Malachi. The first five books of the Old Testament, they speak about Jesus, about the coming Messiah. And if you really are one who is searching for truth, you'll spend some time trying to figure it out. Now, you don't have to learn Greek. You don't have to learn Hebrew. You don't have to spend your time in Aramaic or any of the ancient Chaldean languages, or Ugaritic, or Latin, in order to understand the scriptures. We'll talk more about it next week when we talk about tools.
There are great commentaries out there. John and I were talking about the N.T. Wright commentaries this morning. Great commentaries that are easy to understand where somebody like Tom Wright will make the scriptures clear. You say, okay, you can refer to those. There are commentaries available free to you on Logos. They help you understand the scriptures. But those things we'll talk about more next week. So if you're going to miss next week, you'll have to watch it on video and see if I've turned the sound on. <laughs> there are different ways to study the Bible. I've just raised some questions for you as beginning points for study. Most of us see study as drudgery. I remember study in school and how much I loved it. I saved my study for three and a half minutes at midnight because I knew that I had an exam in the morning and I would feverishly speed read and hope that I got everything done in time that I could remember it long enough to get the exam done and then forget it forever. Study is onerous. But you know, when you're looking at something that holds your interest, study can actually be quite fun, quite enjoyable, even interesting. You can study topics in the Bible. You want to know about resurrection. You can find lots of stuff on resurrection. You can find stuff about Jesus and who he is. You can find stuff about marriage. Some of that stuff's kind of scary. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I should like the other one. Wives, be subject to your husbands. But if you actually study the passage, you'll find out that's not there. It says, be subject to one another, wives to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. And it's kind of a radical concept there in the book of Ephesians that Paul tells believers, wives, pay attention to your husband. Husbands, give yourselves for your wife. Don't just go out and live your life separately, do what you want to do. You better pay attention to that person. You can do topical study. You can do word studies. Again, more talk about this next week how to do a word study. You want to know about the word believe. Especially if you go to Logos, you can find good stuff on Logos where you can find the word believe and how it's used in the First Testament and the Second Testament, the Old Testament and the New Testament. You can get out the concordance and look up the word believe. What does it mean to believe? Does it mean I just give mental assent to something? Oh yeah, I accept that, that's true, okay, that's good enough. Or does it mean you actually become invested in what you hold to be true? You can do biographical studies. You can look at the life of Abraham. 
He was a righteous man. He walked with God. He was a screw-up. As one of my favorite writers said, in the life of Abraham, you see somebody who doesn't just spill soup on his own tie. He spills soup on your tie. <laughs> Don't trust Abraham any farther than you can throw him. Abraham says, oh, that's Sarah. She's by then like 75, 80 years old. Oh man, what a hottie. Now that's a good thing to remember, husbands. That woman's a hottie, and I'm afraid that when Pharaoh looks at her, he's going to kill me and take her. He doesn't trust God to solve the problem. He fixes it for himself, and then he gets in more trouble. You can look at the life of Joseph, who is one of the great heroes of Scripture, who says to his brothers, you're going to bow down before me. You're going to bow down before me. Listen to the dream that I had. Oh, it's so cool. You guys were the sheep, and I was the one standing in the middle, and you guys were all bowing down, bowing down, bowing down. No wonder they threw him in the pit. No wonder God had to drag the man, kicking and screaming, into Egypt so he could get some seasoning in his life. So he could, he could remember that the whole world didn't revolve around him. You can read about the life of David. You can read about Jeremiah. You can read about Paul. Great heroes of the faith and find that they're heroes that didn't make them perfect. And as you study someone's biography, you will find that you are drawing closer to God because of the way they lived their lives before God. I would encourage you to become studiers of the Word. Spend time not just in reading, but in special focus so that God's Word can speak specifically to you as you listen for his voice in his word. Now again, part two is next week. What are the tools? Are there ways that I can specifically study? And how will the tools help? Hopefully we'll learn more next week. One can hope. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for your word. Your word that points us to Jesus, who is the only way to eternal life. May we be readers of the word, that we would know him and fall in love with him. May we be studiers of his word, that we would fall deeper in love with you and deeper in love with him, that your word would become part of our lives and part of our focus. That we would live out your word within us. Thank you for this word that is reliable and trustworthy and points us to look outside ourselves to the only way to eternal life. 
Jesus. We praise you in his name.